to the Black Men Sidebar Podcast. I'm your host, Rashad, um, and thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. In case you want to leave any feedback to the Sidebar Podcast for us to circle back through at a later date, um, we have a Gmail account. It's blackmensidebar at gmail.com. Once again, blackmensidebar at gmail.com is our Gmail account that we take in feedback or suggestions or just generally some some props that you guys may want to give throughout the podcast. Please enjoy and um, let's check out this week's episode. Welcome back and this is the Black Men Sidebar Podcast. I'm your host Rashad. Um, So this podcast I specifically wanted to just deal with the aspects of the longing of a son. And when I say longing of a son, I mean the aspects of uh, a son to a father and how without realizing it, and now I think in our culture we do realize it more, that a lot of the characteristics, personalities of sons um, are heavily influenced by their dads, right? Without you realizing it, or probably with us realizing it nowadays, um... When we take the dad out of the scenario, when the dad isn't in the scenario as often, and when I say scenario, I mean the family experience, the after-school activities, the sometimes just dinner table talk, right? The confidence, the attitude, the even self-awareness of the kids, really both, but especially the son, is usually pretty uh pretty effective um i even think in my own experience my dad and my mom have been married now for going on i'm 28 so it'll be 29 years and if i was to say it's always been a happy marriage i think they would both tell me i'm lying but they've they've persevered through however it's it's been some rough times and i may decide to spend a little bit more time with their permission, um, breaking down that their marriage, at least from the kids' perspective, but from mine, a lot of the activities at home, my dad wasn't there, um, and I think he wanted to now. We we have another podcast where, episode where we talk about that for a few minutes towards the end, but he generally wanted to be there. I think being of age now, I can definitely agree to that, but he wasn't there. He wasn't present at the majority of the sporting events, at the majority of the um, the big days or big games or whatever you may call it. And for me, it wasn't until I turned about 24, 25, where I really feel like the Lord started dealing with me with having more grace for my dad and really having me think through, hey, did he have a good example? I think the one thing that um, I definitely had in my own life that made it a little nice is that though I had an absence of a father figure for at least about three to four years during my parents' marriage, um, I had a lot of uncles. And um, one of them, and I probably would shout him out because I hope he does listen to the podcast, is my uncle Alfred um, and my uncle Michael. And then I had this guy named P7. He was um, my youth pastor at the time in Gainesville, Florida. And he, they all spent specifically time with me to help fill a void in the absence of my dad's physical um, 
appearance during the age of 13 to 17. Um, and I won't spend a whole lot of time to bash my dad because I do love my father. But there was a time period where we weren't that close. And roughly this period was when I was 13 to 17. Really, we didn't get closer until about 22, if I'm honest. And I think he probably agreed, my father. But the the thing that was great about having these guys is they were used, I believe, and I know some of my listeners may you know, say something a little different. I think they were used by God to really help me to build a confidence and awareness of who I am um, as both a son, as both an African-American male, you know, which is part of our mission here or our, our statements here is we want to talk about faith, family and our experience. But they also dealt with my anger. Um, one thing I work in youth ministry now at um, a church called Gospel Hope. So if any of you guys are in the Decatur area, I would love for you to come out and hang out with us. Um, and I also work in IT full time. But they were the guys that influenced me to know where my passions really lie and who I desire to be. During the time frame when my dad wasn't present, it was some stuff going on between my mom and my dad where it led to a separation between the two. And he actually moved to Charleston, South Carolina for about four years. And then me and my sister and my mother stayed in Gainesville for a while. So between the age of 13 to 17, um, my dad was not physically present in the house. And during that time frame, I had the most anger, right? Because um, I talk to all of my siblings now. We laugh and we joke. But all of us have experienced something slightly different when it comes to my father um, in which I didn't realize it until recently all of us felt like we may have been cheated by the other me and my sister it might have been a little bit more she's probably going to listen to this as well but I felt like I was cheated a little bit for a, a period of time when I was younger because she was the youngest and it's the classic sibling robbery where she can get away with everything and if I do the slightest thing I'm in trouble where I think my older brother felt like we had it all good and we actually had it a little rough ourselves. But the one thing we all were cheated out of, and I, I, I pray that my father finds peace with it and we do too, is we were cheated out of what may be more of a classic um, exposure of a father-son relationship where even with me and my dad, even though I respect him as my father, there were times frames now and even as I grew up where it felt more like a big brother, um, little brother relationship rather than a father-son relationship. And I know some of it just came out of pride. I think he was just encouraged that we still did okay. I'm about to graduate with my second degree in about a week, so y'all you know, pray for me. But at the same time, I think he was encouraged that we we ended or we're we're going well and the things that that struck us to our core is that we were never quite sure which dad we were going to get me and my brother talk from my um from his experience where he was around my dad when he was um incarcerated for a period of time 
and I'll keep some of that to myself for his own privacy and to respect my family. But and then for me, it was I got him as a, a very influential pastor, and then I got him as a a, a broken and hurt soul. Um, not to the point that he, you know, was um, abusing us in any way, but just as as a point of a, almost like a lion trying to get himself back up. And so for us, we we went from having a very strong, and when I say us, I mean me and my sister. For a while, we went from having a very strong, um, very charismatic, um, very um, influential um, male in our household to a male that we didn't see anymore while at the same time during that time frame we wanted to do our best to because you know there's this cultural mindset of whatever happens in this house stays in this house but we wanted to protect him as well um, where there was constant tension within me and that's why I, I think I meet some of my students that I've had over the the time period in youth ministry halfway there was a constant struggle within me to say hey um, I'm really angry with how this has led to where it is now with my family but at the same time at the age of 14 I have a responsibility to protect my mother right to protect my sister and to do my best to protect my father's legacy but at 13 14 15 that's a lot of pressure um and I think it molded me to eventually grow up a little quicker than I probably should have and miss out on some experiences and growing up in the African-American church it also has you at times putting on certain masks just so that either people you have encouraged or people that encourage you still feel that everything is okay when it's not. And I think that's what a lot of young adults, especially sons with absent fathers, have to go through. And we live in a world where those same African-American sons, and they are then deemed as a threat at times. Um, or processed without due process and there's this constant tension of there's no space in which I can lay my head there's no space in which I can be my authentic self um, I noticed some of these things even outside of my culture some of the students I have gotten to the pleasure of mentoring and I'm not going to use their names one to protect their privacy but two, so they don't beat me up because they're getting a little older and a little bigger, so they, they may be able to square up with me soon. But one of them, I remember we were, at, we were at a camp, and there was this moment in which him and another student really got into it. And um, I quickly pulled him aside, and we talked for at least two and a half hours, in which that was the first time that I got to actually have conversation with him about what was really eating at him or eating at his soul. And as he, you know, described the story, described the family dynamics and trusted me to keep it in secrecy, um, the only thing I could tell him was, one, that your anger, your rage is merited, right? Um, and I even spent some time telling him my experience 
and how even at now, what, 28 going on 29, there are times that I still get angry. But what I did warn him is that the world has a weird way of assisting you, but also pushing you down when you stay in this state of anger where I told him, hey, your anger is merited, but you can't stay here. If you stay here, you won't be able to grow past the hurt, right? And be a better son or a better male or a better father later, right? The, the best thing that we can do as sons that have either had completely absent fathers or fathers that's been in and out or just fathers that haven't been consistent is to be a consistent man in all that we do. But the thing that I learned is I was blessed to have a few men that could see the trajectory of where I was going and be that consistency for me. And I think it's in a lot of ways in which how the church is supposed to see discipleship. Discipleship is to help formulate and develop new Christians to go out and share the gospel and do the same for others. And I, and that's part of what got me into youth ministry in the first place, I wanted to do the same thing for him. And I finally started understanding, just sitting talking at a camp, right? Um, I started understanding, okay, Father, there was a reason for the pain or the hurt or the anger. It was so that even while speaking and trying to impart some seeds into my younger brother um, and my student, I now have the opportunity to find grace and peace within myself. Um, I think the way life tends to work is, unfortunately, if we dwell on trying to be what, be better than the people whom hurt us we eventually manifest the thing that hurt us in our own lives so there's always this tension of hey well I'm not here I'm him I'm better than him and I think that's where for me it became I'm not my father nor will I be better than my father in everything that I do that's impossible but I have the opportunity through experience and through study of the word to understand no one is perfect. And generally, everyone tries to do their very best to present their best self, but we're broken. Um, and we're all gravitating to some father figure. For us that didn't have them, we unfortunately either are blessed with some that come and walk alongside us or we have to figure it out on our own and I think for me even in those moments I started realizing I think I had something my father didn't and unfortunately now he had to figure it out on his own and to be honest he did pretty good right um, which is why I'm always about encouragement rather than breaking down but also it's really up to each new generation to decide what things stay with the father that came before and what things we will do differently. So I had to learn, hey, how can I become my best self and learn 
from what he didn't do well so that I can make sure history doesn't repeat itself. Um, and when I, I got the uh, a joy a while back, I think about a year and a half ago now, to go with another one of my mentors. Um, his name's Chip. I won't put his whole name out because he knows who he is. And I got the opportunity to hang out with a person that I basically call a big brother now. His name's Moochie. Um, and I won't use his last name so that I can keep some level of privacy and all of my family don't shun me. <laughs> but the one thing I saw that I admired about him so much was that he was the type of person that drew people to him himself right that being moochie and chip but they both were the type of person that never held themselves so high that they don't make mistakes right and we're back all right so as i was telling you guys about um one of my friends in uh named moochie when i went to visit him um a while back the one thing that I appreciated was his down-to-earth candor. While at the same time, the thing that drew me to just enjoy his company was the fact that people were naturally drawn to him, but I think it was the people who were, had similar experiences as he did, in which either they came from places that uh, just had tough beginnings, right? Or just rough circumstances. But the thing that I think he gave to them through what we do believe is the gospel, but also through his actions, was just this ability to just basically be like, uh, get up, buttercup. Like, keep moving, keep moving forward. In which he, 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 stretched himself because i think that's the the aspect of what we believe is to stretch ourselves like jesus did with his disciples but he lived life with people and i think the lord used him just like the lord used some of the folks that i told you guys about that being um, the uncle otto or uncle michael growing up or p7 um to simply be a resource but also simply to be a big brother to some folks that maybe didn't have a good example of that and without realizing it I just got to see the beauty of what is one the church but also what is our culture right um I read or hear about how our community used to be so in sync with one another and how after a period of time that was lost So the one thing I do miss in our culture was this idea of peacekeepers, right? The ones that would bring people, siblings, relatives, cousins together, despite if there's a little bit of beef, right? 
because this person had the ability to be a bridge. Well, I'm going to show up whether um, I'm mad with auntie so-and-so or not because uh, grandma, you know, told me to show up or pop-pop told me to show up. And I think that's ironically, especially some of the older men, which I'm hoping we continue to see older men um, just with our current social climates, um, they were able to just bring peace back to the tables and also bring identity to the sons, right, of, okay, yeah, but this is what it means to be a part of this family, right? This is what it means to be a son, a daughter, a granddaughter, a cousin, an auntie, an uncle within this family. And I think without realizing it, um, we we pushed that away in some circles so that we can elevate our queens while at the same time we somewhat demoted our kings right and i don't say that because everybody knows me um, pretty well i don't say that as a as an accusation or a shot to to our african queens like i love you guys you know i'm for you guys i want y'all to continue to keep moving forward but as i look at friends at brothers at cousins that are male, we all struggle in some form or fashion with this idea of who we are, right? In a world that's ever-changing, in a world in which we're expected to lead, but we're also expected to follow. And when I look at my own story, I see different aspects even in my dad um, in which he followed really well, he led really well. He followed really weakly. He led really weakly. And I just think it's this thing of, if you don't have this example, who do you glean to? Like, I like watching um, shows, like superhero shows, because I loved, I think in all of our culture, I loved uh, when Black Panther came out um, a while back because it gave us something that, and it gave us some level of representation that looked like us. Um, but I even remember in a show where um, Chadwick goes to um, the the afterlife realm or whatever in the show. And he's like um, on his knees with his dad and is um, it's like, sorry, dad, I failed you. Because at this point he was the, um, the Black Panther. He had the mantle, but he wasn't the king. And the king, the father gets up and he tells him, hey, wait, 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 wait. Stand, brother. At this point, you are a king. Like, know who you are. Like, I remember the mom when he's fighting with um, Umbaku, and the mom, uh, he's getting whooped on, and the mom is like, show them who you are. And without realizing it, without that tension between the two, sometimes we really don't know who we are, either until we have kids as a male specifically. Um, or until we're in a situation where the Lord kind of reveals it to us through our struggles. Like we actually think back and see what we were able to come through and accomplish. But at the heart of that is it means so much to sons to hear simple words from their dads. Hey, man, I'm proud of you. Hey, man, you're doing good things. Or hey, um, I believe in you. Like all of my favorite superhero shows, it gets real emotional for me personally when I get to hear like uh, the dads be like, hey man, just get up and keep moving forward. 
Um, so I'm going to wrap up this podcast because this one was a little long, but it's just with some thoughts that's kind of swirling around my head. What does it really mean in 2020, right, with COVID, with everything else, to be a father? And how do we honor that while at the same time challenge that so that we all can keep growing as a culture? So I hope you enjoy this podcast. See you soon.